welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family, love, and relationships. I'm your host for this podcast, Christopher Robbins, the co-founder of Familiarist Publishing, husband, father of nine, author, fly fisherman, backpacker, and aspirational musician based in the Central Valley of beautiful California. We hope to bring you nourishing real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. And of course, again, I am stoked to introduce today's guest, Sean Thompson. Now, Sean Thompson is a former world surfing champion and has been described as one of the greatest and most influential surfers of all time. He is an inductee in the U.S., Jewish, and South African sports halls of fame. If that weren't enough, Sean is also a world-renowned leadership mentor, entrepreneur, environmentalist, and, of course, best-selling author. We're discussing today the duality of despair and hope from his most recent book, The Surfer and the Sage, How to Survive and Ride Life's Waves. Sean has been generous to agree to a series of podcasts throughout 2023, and we hope and invite you'll join us to get stoked and learn how to survive life's waves. The information shared today aligns with the Familiar's 10 Habits of Happy Families, of course, and you can learn more about the Familiar's 10 Habits of Happy Families by going to the Habit Hub blog on familiarist.com. Now, Sean, again, thank you for taking time with us today. Thanks, Christopher. It's great to be on board, and it's great to have uh, Familiar's uh, publishing our book that Noah Benshear and uh, I wrote. And certainly, I think there's a lot of fundamental lessons that, that the book can perhaps give a perspective on for families. And, and you're an expert on families having nine children. How about that? That's a big team. And uh, yeah, the book is really there as a guide and a way to help people, I like to think, move from a place of darkness to light, to move from despair to hope, move to being anxious to calm. It's, it's just a perspective and we tell, I tell a, you know, some simple stories and, and I think Noah gives some interesting philosophical observations on this duality that we're all faced with in life, how to move from one state to another. Well, let's talk about that second chapter. And in the, the book is, is focused on what you call duality. And I, I would say opposition and, and different things. And so this chapter talks about despair and hope. And you begin it, if I remember, with the story of your father, who was an Olympic hopeful from South Africa in the 1948 Olympics and had a tragic accident while surfing off the coast. Share with us that story and then how that changed the course of his life and how that helps us understand this duality of despair and hope. Yeah, I think a way to really touch people and to create some emotional resonance is definitely to tell a story as opposed to you know, look at the despair and hope from a medical or clinical perspective. It's nice just to tell a story that is evidenced by someone's, I think, positive reaction to a negative situation. And I really look to my dad for inspiration throughout my life. but. This story particularly, I think, highlights how he dealt with both despair and hope. Imagine my father was 20 years old, just come back from the Second World War, handsome guy, was one of South Africa's best swimmers, and his dream was to compete in the Olympics to represent his country and perhaps win a gold medal. He was one of South Africa's fastest swimmers. He'd won the South African Junior Swimming Champion before he volunteered to go and fight against the Nazis and the fascists. And now he's come back. Uh, London Olympics are a couple of years away, and he's out there on a little wooden surfboard because he was a surfer, 
And the next thing is Zambezi shark comes up underneath him and hits him so hard it throws him into the air and in one bite just lacerates and rips all the muscles out of his uh, his right arm. And in one bite, his career was done. But you know, this attack happened before I was born. And my earliest memories of my dad taking me to swim and surf, teaching me how to surf and swim, about 100 yards away from where he had this terrible attack that destroyed his swimming career. But you know, my dad never dwelled on the attack. He never, he wasn't a depressed guy. He was always upbeat. He was always optimistic. He always had a love and a passion for life. And I think like, what would it be like, like if I was 22 years old and I was gunning for the world championship and suddenly it was all taken away from me? Like, how would I feel? How would I react? And, and you know, my dad was always sort of the shining light of, yeah, you've had a bad situation, but just deal with it. He never complained about it. He never complained about pain. He never complained about I would have, should have, could have, or what could have been. He accepted his life and he made the best of it. And he made sure that us children saw the best of him and the best in him. He didn't walk around gloomy and well, I could have won. He never ever said once in his life, I could have won a gold medal or I would have won a gold medal. He just looked at life with hope. And I think he was this wonderful example to me as a, as a young boy of, of just being optimistic, being hopeful, and not dwelling on the negative. Okay, so a tragic accident changes his life's course. I think a principle that you're communicating to us is that he didn't dwell on the negative. He didn't dwell on a single act that might have changed. He maintained an attitude that moved him forward. And so now talk about what he did. He might not have been able to be a world a gold medalist, but he did something that gave him purpose and beyond his family. He did something with other surfers and other yes. people. My father loved to help young athletes. You know, he'd been a young athlete and perhaps his dream uh, was sort of ripped away from him. But he took so much joy in helping people. I mean, I remember there were some very talented, great young surfers, my contemporaries, they had no money. And if they had to go to sort of a fancy award, he'd buy them, a, uh, buy them clothes to wear or he'd buy them a surfboard. And he would never, uh, he would just do it quietly. He would give people so much support. He would give surfers encouragement. And even though, yes, these surfers were competitors of mine, he would still encourage them. And when we'd go on surf trips together, he'd take friends with us. And he just impacted so many lives, hundreds and hundreds of lives on the beach in South Africa, helping young people realize their dreams. I mean, he co-created the first professional surfing competition in South Africa. He could see my interest in surfing. He went out there and bought a, a surfboard company that was in, in financial trouble. and. He was just sort of this like light of optimism and this light of hope. And I've got to say, one of the best experiences in my surfing career was, yes, I love to win contests, and I love to win contests for myself, and also I love to win contests for my dad too. So after his shark attack, he'd flown to San Francisco because the best hand surgeon in the world was in San Francisco, and he went to see him, and then he had an operation. And then he went to Hawaii to recuperate. 
And his hero when he was young, growing up, was a Hawaiian, a famous swimmer called Duke Hanamoku, who won gold medals in multiple Olympics. He was like a Hawaiian, he was like a Hawaiian warrior. And my dad really looked up to him and he met the whole Kahanamoku family when he was recuperating in Hawaii on Waikiki Beach. And that was in like 1948. And then he hadn't been back, but he loved Hawaii. I think you can imagine it was a very hard time in his life when he was recuperating from this attack and he met the, the Kahanamokus. And I like to think that, you know, they really helped him on this path to hope again. So he said to me, oh, Sean, I'd love to come and watch you compete. So in 1975, I took a year off from university and went to Hawaii to compete. And I got invited to the world's biggest surfing event uh, called the Banzai Pipeline Masters, the most dangerous event in the world. And, and uh, it was very hard to get an invitation. I was sort of this unknown kid from South Africa. So my dad flies over to watch me compete. And I was sort of the outsider. I was outside of the outsiders. I was like, I had, people perceived I had no chance. Because also, I was surfing with my back to the wave, which is, it was a tremendous disadvantage back then, and everyone else was facing the wave. They were called goofy footers. I was called a regular footer. Anyway, so I ended up winning the event, and my dad's on the beach, and it was such a wonderful feeling to share in that victory with my dad. And okay, he never won his gold medal, but he saw his son, who he had supported, win the biggest contest in the world. It was wonderful. That's a great story. So do you believe that one way to deal with despair is to make sure that we create hope by also creating, working to create hope in other people. It seems like that's what your father did. Yeah, he did it. You're, you're 100%, you're 100% correct, Christopher. And you know, when I look back on what I had to endure when, when my wife and I lost our beautiful son, Matthew, to a poor choice when he was 15 and a half, you know, there's a number of ways you can get through the grief and the darkness. And the despair, one of them is to be absolutely accepting of the cards that you've been dealt and the situation that you are in. You've got to accept the what is, not the what if. But also, you know, there's many ways that you can deal with the, the despair and darkness. And, and one of them is to connect with nature. One of them is to, to reconnect with your faith. But another one is to help others. It's amazing when you help others, the real recipient is yourself. You know, when you go out there and you help others and you uplift others, and I'll tell you a story, which is not in the book, but this is the impact that every single one of us can have on the life of another by doing something that at the time we think is so simple. But this is how every single one of us can have a profound influence on others. I'm surfing the other day. I come in from the water and I'm riding a, a longboard, a softboard, you know, normally I ride shortboards, and it can barely fit in my car. And I've got my wetsuit on, and it's quite a cold day. And as I walk up to my car and open the door and put my car on, I see this elderly couple, and they're looking a little bit disorientated and, and lost. And I go, um, hi, you know, you guys seem to be a little bit lost. Are, are you from here? And they go, no, we, we're from Connecticut, but we've, we've just moved here, and we're trying to get into the hotel, and they locked the back gate. And I said, well, it's, let me tell you, it's a long walk. Why don't you jump in my car, and I'll just give you a lift. And they're looking at me like, Who's this guy? He's dripping wet in a wetsuit and they're offering, you know, a ride and he stops. So, okay. So they, they jump in the car and I drive them around the block and I pull up in front of one of the, the Miramar Hotel. It's one of the swankiest hotels in the world. They jump out the car and as I, as they jump out the car, I got a copy of my book in the car and I go, Hey guys. So now the valets are there. 
But, but you know, all the smartly dressed valets, I'm standing dripping wet in my wet and I jump out the car and go, here, here's a gift from me to welcome me to the neighborhood. And I give them the Surfer and Sage. So, you know, I'm going, it's a super cool book. It was number one in its, in its genre on Amazon. It's my gift to you. And I jump back in the car and I drive away. And I think nothing of it. Now, last night, I'm standing in the line at Santa Barbara Film Festival with my wife. And there's a movie showing that, that I've been interviewed in. It's a movie called Waves Apart, and it's about anti-Semitism. So a woman comes up to me and she goes, hi, Sean. I don't know if you remember me. She said, and my husband, she said, you came out of the water and we were sort of a little bit lost and you gave us a drive to the hotel. I want to just say thank you. And you gave us a copy of your book. Well, we've come to see the movie tonight because we read the book and we've got some friends and they said that you're a very well-known surfer. And then she says, I want to tell you, we lost our son two years ago. And she puts it, and I put my arms around her and she starts crying. And I'm saying that a little gesture of kindness, you never know how it can be given at the right moment for someone that really, really, really needs it. And my co-author, Noah Benchia, has got a super simple philosophy. It's a three-part philosophy. He says, this is the philosophy. Be kind, be kind, be kind. (laughs) (laughs) I think they'll remember that. What a wonderful story. And, you know, I believe that you were in that moment to help those people and that connection it was meaningful. And you heard me say, you know, what a blessing that your book can can help people like that. And those connections can be magical. Magical. Uh, and my, my and dad was a magical, magical person. And he connected with everyone and and helped everyone. And you know, we we're hoping that, you know, this little book that we all did together can really, really help people. And she was so, this woman last night was so stoked about having had the book and having read it, having helped her. And that's what the book, that's what the book is for. All right. And that's why, that story you just shared is why in 2020 that I added the 10th habit to our previously nine habits of happy families. I said, we have to add give together because that's how we get through trouble is when we forget ourselves and we go and we're in the service of other people. And your, your story is is that. And now Noah Benchia helping us remember our three life rules. <laughs> be kind, be kind, and be kind. And when all else fails, we recommend you be kind. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sean, again, thank you so much for joining us today. It is always fantastic to share time, hear your stories, and have you help us. Now, we we hope that our listeners will tune in for the next time we meet, because we'll be talking about the duality of doubt and faith. So as we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familias for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. We'd be thrilled if you subscribe to the podcast and left us a review. And when you're ready for that next amazing book adventure, we'd be honored if you chose a book from Familias, perhaps The Surfer and the Sage. One step at a time, we could make the world a happier place.